Amen. You, you might be seated. All right, well, good afternoon, church. Good afternoon. All right, here we go. Here we go. Uh, as I said earlier, and I've said many times, it's just so, uh, so amazing to be finally worshiping together in a place that we can call home. And just all glory to Jesus for that. Amen. Amen. All glory to Jesus for that. He's provided literally everything we've, we've asked for. Right? Since we started, and if some of you were a part of the, the group from three years back all the way to today, it's just been amazing to see how the Lord has worked through our prayers and how he's just refined us and just taught us to really lean into him and just praise God for that. Um, but we're going to continue this morning to, to worship God in his word. And so go ahead and get your Bibles out. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 uh, today. I said this morning, I'm used to preaching in the morning, so this afternoon, uh, Colossians chapter 3, um, if you don't have a Bible, you should be able to find one under a seat near you or in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, um, go ahead, pick that one up, write your name in it, write your notes in it, take it home with you, it's our gift to you this morning, this afternoon. I'll do that probably five or six more times, I bet. Um, as you're doing that, as you're getting your copy of God's Word out, turning to Colossians chapter 3, um, over the last few weeks, we've been walking verse by verse uh, through the book of Colossians, uh, discussing the importance of what Paul is conveying to the church uh, in Colossae as being rooted in Christ. And so today, we're just going to dive right into the text, um, and Paul's going to, to show us uh, what it will look like, specifically what we will look like um, as we are living a life fully rooted in Christ. In fact, today, Paul's going to show us a, an overarching big idea in this text, which is this. As followers of Jesus, we are called to walk in the Spirit. So as followers of Jesus that are rooted in Christ, we are co uh, called to walk in the Spirit. And so as we say that, that, that brings the question, how? How do we walk in the Spirit? So Paul's going to show us four points today in the text, in verses 1 through 17, of what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. So you guys ready to dive in? All right, let's do it. Starting in verse 1, Paul says this, chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also will appear with him in glory. So right off the bat here, Paul is showing us that we have to get our minds focused on the right thing. So our first point today is this. Um, how do we walk in the Spirit? Paul tells us, first we have to get our mind right. All right. Get your mind right. Get your eyes focused on the right thing. He opens up by telling us that to seek the things that are above. If you were with us, Last week, you remember that we ended our time last week with a command from Jesus uh, that showed us how to live a life dedicated to Christ. It was in Matthew 6.33. You remember, if you have your notes from last week, you might have it written down. Matthew 6.33, Jesus tells us there, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So Paul is kind of going off of what Jesus commanded us to do in the gospel of Matthew, and he's saying, Set your minds on things that are above, right? Seek the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness and not of the things on earth, not of the things of the world. And we have to remember 
why it is that Paul is saying this to the church in Colossae. What's the context of why he's writing this letter to the church in Colossae? As we talked about before, if you've been with us a few weeks, um, we've been talking about the fact that this letter that Paul's writing to the church in Colossae, he didn't plant this church, right? He's writing a letter to a church that he didn't plant. And the reason he's writing this letter is because this church is being influenced by false teachers. And so these false teachers have gotten into the church and they're spreading human knowledge over faith in Jesus, over the true gospel. And so this is what Paul is combating as he writes this letter to the church in Colossae. And this is an easy application for us in America today, isn't it? Like we can almost place this church in Colossae in any section of the United States. All over the world, all over the U.S., we are constantly being influenced by false teachers. We're being pushed to place everything over our faith, over our faith in Jesus. We are, we are led to put ourselves over our faith in Christ. Right, we're led to put our jobs, our kids, our finances, sports, desires, possessions, all these things the world is pushing us to put over top of our faith in Christ. And the list goes on and on. We could sit here all day and do this. There's so much of this happening in our world, in our context today. And Paul is telling us not to seek things the world tells us to seek, but to seek the things that God tells us to seek, which is him, his righteousness. Seek him. Paul says, you have, you have died to the things of the world through Jesus. Your life is already with Jesus in heaven. Your life belongs to Jesus. If you put your faith in Christ, your life belongs to him. You were bought and paid for by his blood. So Paul's saying, if that's the case, then, then why are you focusing on things of the world? The things of the world, they're dead to you. Seek Jesus, seek his righteousness. And when we do that, church, when we seek him first, it leads to us to leave our old sinful nature. And that's what Paul is starting to, he's going to lead us into next in this section of text, the next section of text. Read with me, get our eyes back on the text here, starting in verse 5. Paul says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Our second point this evening is this. How do we walk in the Spirit? We've got to put to death the old you. That's our second point. Paul's telling us here, you have to put to death the old you. He says, put to death what is earthly in you. So what's earthly in us? All right, Paul gives us a list of what is earthly in us. He says here uh, in the list, sexual immorality, right? sexual sin, impurity, sinful thoughts, lust, passions, Evil desires, covetousness, right? Desiring what is not ours, what God has not given us. He tells us to put all of these things to death. And if we look at this list, we notice that all of these sins, they're, they're personal sins, right? They're sins that happen internally. 
know, lust is a sin that happens internally. Sexual immorality is a sin that starts out internally. Desire starts out internally. Covenants, same way. These are all personal sins. They're the fruit that comes from what Paul calls the root problem here, which is idolatry. And throughout this letter, we've learned that there is one true God. Right? There is no other God to idolize. The truth is, there's one true God, and His name is Jesus. So all these other things, they're just idols in our lives. It's rooted in idolatry. And as followers of Jesus, we must put all these other idols to death. Right? We've got to throw them away. We must throw them away because Paul says, it's on account of these things that the wrath of God is coming. Sin, these sins, only bring the wrath of God. And as believers in Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, we're justified through him. Even though we once walked in this sin, even though I too, church, have once walked in these, this list of sins, I was dead in my sin, just as all of us in here were dead in our sin. But when we placed our faith in Jesus, we were raised to a new life with him. And Paul tells us in verse 8, that because we were raised with Jesus, we must now put away what is earthly in us. We must take it off. This word, this word put away, in the Greek text, is the word apotheemi. You say that ten times, like, I bet you can't say it ten times. I'm having trouble saying it ten times. Apotheemi means, literally, it translated from the Greek, to take off clothes. So the Bible is telling us here to shed this filthy, filthy clothing of earthly desires to take it off. And as he, as he talks more about this, this clothing that we're, we're wearing, this earthly clothing, he goes on to list more examples of how we once walked before we were in Jesus, before we were in Christ. But this time, the next set, his list that he's compiled, are not personal sins, but sins against others. Look with me here. Starting in, uh, in verse 10, he says, oh, I'm sorry, I apologize, in verse 5, oh, 8, sorry. <laughs> Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying to one another. Right, Paul is talking about having a complete transformation. Right, so he just, he just hit on all the internal sins that we struggle with, right? All, the, all the, the sexual immorality and the lust. And now he's, he's touching on the outside sins, the sins we make against man, against fellow man. And so what he's talking about here is a complete transformation. He's saying you need to, be, you need to take off everything that's worldly inside and out. Like this isn't just a, an outside view. Everything that is worldly in you, you need to take it off and throw it away. That all these old ways you used to walk in, they died with the old you. Keep them in the grave. Right? They don't belong on you anymore. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He tells us that we are brand new. Brand new. We're a brand new body. Why would you put on a dirty shirt? Right? Why would, out of a fresh shower, after a day working in the yard, why would you put on a dirty shirt? These old ways are things of the world. 
And since your life resides with Christ at the right hand of God, the Bible says, you are not of this world. So take them off. Shed the old you, it is dead. That's what Paul is telling us here in this text. Now that we know this, Paul's going to show us what we do when we're made new in Christ. Look, eyes back on the text here, look with me. Verse 10 through 14, Paul says this. And have put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Our third point today is this. How do we walk in the Spirit? We put on the new you. And what's the Bible say? is the new you. In verse 10, he says the new you is being renewed in knowledge of the image of its creator. Right, we get our knowledge of who Jesus is through his word, through the Bible, and it renews us. Right? It restores us. And if we abide in it, it makes us look more like Jesus. And this is something that every believer, every follower of Jesus should be striving for day in and day out, to be more like Christ, to look more like Jesus. And once we are of Christ, He becomes our identity. Right? There is no more Jew, there is no more Greek, there is no more slave or free man. All are one in Jesus. And that's what Paul is saying here. So, what does it look like to be more like Christ? Verse 12 through 13, Paul tells us what we are to look like. He says in verse 12, to put on, which is the Greek word, in duo. So literally, again, translated means to put clothes on. So we have taken off our old sinful self, we've thrown away that dirty t-shirt, and now we're putting on a fresh new creation. And that new creation strives to be just like Christ. But what does that look like? Right, what does it look like, church? Well, Paul lists again all the attributes that it looks like. In fact, he lists all the attributes of Jesus. He says, be compassionate, be kind, have humility, be meek, be gentle, be patient, bear one another's burdens. These are all things that Jesus modeled for us when he was walking on, in his time on earth. So this week, we have to ask ourselves, are, are, we, are we living out these attributes? Right, are, we, are we striving to be Christ-like? Are we compassionate? Do we have humility in all things? Are we gentle when we disagree or when we're rebuking someone? Are we, do we do it in a spirit of gentleness? Because this is who we're called to be. Right? This is who we're called to be, like Jesus. Now, we all had, had a hero growing up. Every, anybody in here, everyone had a hero growing up, a role model? Show of hands. Got one in the back? Okay, we got a few. All right, I hope so. 
We all had a hero grow up, someone we looked up to, someone we wanted to be just like, right? For me, it was my dad. I tried to mimic everything dad did, the way he did it, the way he walked, the way he talked. Sometimes that wasn't a great thing, but I tried to mimic everything I could about my father. For some of us, it was a parent. For some of us, it was a sports figure, a superhero from a comic book. Right, we tried to mimic these heroes, these role models, all the time. Paul is telling us that once we place our faith in Jesus, we should strive every single day to be just like our Father, right? to be just like Jesus. He is the example that we are supposed to follow. In fact, look what Paul says at the end of verse 13. He says, if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now, as we're talking about being just like Jesus and mimicking Jesus, some of us in the room might be going, yeah, you know, I could do that. I think I could do that. That, that sounds, you know, similar, easy. Just be a good person. You know, it's not too hard. But this right here in verse 13 is the hardest attribute to mimic, church. Like, if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. It's one of the hardest for mankind to, to practice is forgiveness. To understand forgiveness is difficult for us. But Jesus gave us the ultimate example of this. He didn't just command us to live this way. He first lived it. The greatest of example of forgiveness ever is in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. We're going to put it up on the screen here behind me. This is a section of the Gospel depicting the crucifixion of Jesus. Read with me here, Luke 23, 33 through 34, which says this. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And listen here, church, right here, verse 34. And Jesus said, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. As Jesus is being nailed to the cross, as these metal spikes are being driven through the flesh of his hands and the flesh of his feet, he is begging for the forgiveness of the men holding the hammers. As they're nailing him to a board, he is begging for their forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So let that sink in for a second. Are we living our life like that? Right? Is that the bar that's been set in our lives? Are we forgiving? Are we loving like Christ? In Romans 5.8, Paul says that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. He knew we were sinners and he still gave his life over to us, for us, to defeat our sin. We sinned against him. He still laid his life down so we could be sinless in God's eyes. And we are called to love just like this. But that's what Paul's telling us here. This is what putting on the new self looks like. We are called to radically forgive. We are called to radically do this work that Jesus has called us to do. I mean, how many of us in here have been wronged by another person? Show of hands. 
How many of us in here have wronged somebody? All of us are guilty of that. And the Lord calls us to forgive one another. He says, Paul says here, so you also must forgive. Must forgive. And the motivator for this forgiveness, for what Jesus, the motivator for what Jesus did for us on the cross, is love. Read with me again in verse 14. He says this, And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. As I was studying this, this one line of text this week, I was going through commentary after commentary, and I, I read this commentary, uh, this line of commentary in MacArthur, John MacArthur's commentary this week, and, and I had to share it with you guys. It was very impactful. I'll just let him say it because I couldn't wordsmith this any better. John says this, In keeping with the motive of putting on clothes, love is the belt that pulls all these things just mentioned together. Love is the most important moral quality in the believer's life, for it is the very glue that produces unity in the church. Believers will never enjoy mutual fellowship through compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, or patience. They will not bear with each other or forgive each other unless they love one another. Plain and simple, we must love each other like Christ loves us. And that's going to be difficult sometimes, church. Right? We, just, we just showed all the hands fly up. All of us have wrong, been wronged, and all of us have wronged someone. We must forgive like Jesus forgave us. That's what he's calling the church in Colossae to do, and that's what he's calling us to do here today. As we round out our time today in Colossians 3, Paul has shown us that we are to put to death our old self. We are to put on the, the new self. He has shown us that we are to walk in the Spirit, to strive to be like Jesus, to forgive like Christ, to love like Jesus. And as we end today, Paul's going to show us how to put this into practice, right? What to do now, like what next? Okay, I, I got all this information, but how do I start? How do I start as soon as I walk out of this building? How do I walk in the Spirit? The last thing Paul's going to leave us with today is this. How do we walk in the Spirit? Stay focused on Jesus. Paul's going to show us here three ways to stay focused on Christ, three areas to focus on Christ. And the first is in verse 15. Read with me. Verse 15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. The first thing, thing here Paul tells us to focus on is the peace of Jesus. But if you have placed your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have eternal peace. Right? You have peace. You, there's nothing to worry about. You, you've been justified in the eyes of God through Jesus. You have eternal peace. You belong to the one true God. And his, his place, as Paul said, is at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul says, let that peace rule your heart. Right? Don't get stirred up when you're wrong. Right? Don't, don't dabble in, in sexual immorality. Don't be anxious. Don't let idolatry rule your heart. I don't practice malice. Let the peace of Jesus, the fact that he has taken everything, all of those sins onto himself, he has literally relieved you of the burden of those sins. He has lifted the weight off of you. 
He's taken everything. Give your heart complete peace in that every single day, starting today. We have to lean in to the peace of Jesus. We have to be thankful for the peace of Jesus. That's where Paul wants our eyes first today. Next, he leads us to the second thing he tells us to focus on in verse 16, and that is the word of Jesus. Read with me in verse 16. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Paul says to let the word of Christ dwell in you, right? Dwell. Let it live in you. Let it always be in you. As followers of Jesus, we are sustained by his word. The Bible tells us over and over again that it feeds us, that it keeps us grounded in Christ, it, it gives us wisdom, it, it gives us uh, the, the, the life to abide in. It gives us something to role model after, right? Jesus is, all his revelation is right here in his word. That's, that's what gives us what we follow. It sustains us. And the word gives us also, as Paul says, it gives us songs and hymns to sing and worship to Jesus for who he is and what he did for us on the cross. The word leads to worship. And so every day, if there's, there's nothing else you've heard me say yet, hear me say this, every day, be in the word. Right? Fill yourself with the word. Let it feed you. Right? Don't be starved for this. It's right here. It's within, it's within reach. Grab onto it and fill yourself with the word, and it will sustain you. Paul's telling us that. Every day, be in the word. Be in worship of Christ through his word. The final thing that Paul tells us to focus on is the name of Jesus. Verse 17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Focus here is plain and simple, church. In everything we do, in everything we say, it must be to glorify the Lord. In every action of our lives, in every direction we're walking, every decision we make, every word that leaves our mouth is for the sole purpose of bringing glory to Jesus Christ. And here at The Rock, this is our sole focus to glorify Jesus. We want to be a church. We want to be a people, a church full of people, a church body in our individual lives and here. When people look at us, the way we live our lives, the way we love one another, the way we forgive one another, they don't see us, they just see Jesus. That that is what we're striving for, to glorify God in that manner. When we are gathered in worship, we don't want people to see our building, our, our lights, our, how good our worship band is. We just want them to see Christ. That is it. We want them to see the glory of Jesus. As we're out in community and we're serving, as we're sharing the gospel, as we're witnessing to people, we just want people to see the glory of Jesus over and over and over again. And the way we treat each other, the way we treat people, the way we forgive. Guys, if... If someone from the outside walked in and saw the radical forgiveness that Jesus has and watched us practice it, their mind would be blown. Like, this is how I came to Christ. I saw radical forgiveness. And it blew my mind. It showed me who Jesus was. Keep our eyes, keep our hearts tethered to this. In everything we do, in everything we say, we must glorify God. 
And as you leave here today, as you go through your week thinking about this, I want you to ask yourself this question over and over again. Is the way that I'm living my life glorifying to Jesus? Because if it's not, let what Paul says here write itself, engrave itself on your heart this week. Take off your old self. Kill your old self. Put on the new and start living like Christ today. So let's pray for that. Father, we, we love you, Jesus. We, uh, Father, we just worship you. We thank you. We glorify you right now for everything, God. Lord, we know without you, Father, there's no reason for us to even be standing here, to be sitting here. Without your word, there'd be no reason to celebrate. Without what you did for us on the cross, we would be dead. Jesus, we worship you. We praise you for that. We praise you for, for everything you do for us in life, everything you will do for us in the future. And above all, Father, for laying down your life for ours. Lord, we love you. Jesus, we pray this week that, that you would impact the hearts of our people, that you would impact my heart, Lord, that I can live a life, that we as a church could live a life that is more mimicking you, that we can grow closer to you. And through that, God, we start to walk with you. We walk so close to you, God, that our footprints align with yours, that we're stepping in your footprints, God. We just pray that you would, you would just put that on our hearts, that you would push us, God, pull us to that. Father, we just pray right now that we are a people who worship you, who walk with you, Father, who work for you, who witness for you. Lord, that we become a true disciple for you and that we can go out and tell people what it is you did in our life. Share our testimony, God. We want to see people saved by your works, Father. So, Lord, prepare us, embolden us this week to go out and share the gospel with people in our works, in our school, in our family. Lord, we just pray that you would uh, embolden us with that, Father. And again, Lord, we just want to grow closer to you, walk like you, Father. If there's if there's a, a issue in our family, if there's an issue in a friendship, God, where, where there's, there's turmoil and there's forgiveness that's needed, Father, let us come together and just forgive like you forgave. Lord, if we're struggling with this, if this, this is a bad situation, God, and we're struggling with this forgiveness, Lord, I just pray that you would put on these people's heart, that they would see the forgiveness that you had for them and that it would mimic you right now. So, Lord, I pray for those situations. Above all, Father, glory to you, and in every situation, in every conversation we have, all the glory to you, Father. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray all these things. Amen.